This is the Fertility Hour, where couples learn how to improve their fertility naturally. Join Charlene Lincoln as she interviews leading experts in the fields of natural fertility, holistic medicine, and preconception care. Fertility Hour is where you'll find evidence-based strategies, tips, and resources to help you when trying to conceive. And now, here's Charlene Lincoln. Okay. All right, we're starting. So uh, welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Hour. I'm your host, Charlene Lincoln. Thanks so much for joining us. And today we are going to talk about maca. And so I have two guests. Um, I, I feel very lucky. Um, James Frame is the CEO and co-founder of Symphony Natural Health, a vertically integrated natural products company that spans 10 countries. This business includes organic and sustainable farming, value-adding manufacturing operations in third-world countries, year-round employment for local communities. Does it play a part in relation to that? So, yes, and, and so what's been even, and this is taking us down the track, but what's been profound for us is that if we're looking at red maca, for example, for men with prostate, or we're looking for red maca for women and we're looking at it for bone health, you, we actually want to grow those in different locations because it, they manifest and the active ingredient profiles are more optimal for bone health for women in one region. But if we, if we grow and we look for red macker in another region, it's more ideal for men and prostate. So it's, it's really, really interesting how that happens. And, and that happens in a lot of herbs. We just don't hear about it. You know, we, we are heavily involved in kava. And what we know is that the carvalactones and the carvalactone profile, depending on which island and which region of the South Pacific changes, and thus what you use the carver for, St. John's wort. The St. John's wort analytical profile changes depending on if you grow it in South America, Australia, China, or Europe. And again, those varieties and that have a profound impact on the active constituents. And so what we looked at with, all, with every herb that we do, we, go, we say, okay, Let's test everything from around the world. And where's the best country or even region within a country for us to grow that exact herb for that exact use? And that's why our company's a little bit different in that we're vertically integrated. That's why we're in so many countries because if we find something, we have to go there because we control it from seed to shelf. You know, we don't just, and for us, it's not just where we grow it. We've actually found that lunar cycles, funnily enough, impact the active constituents with some herbs, diurnal cycle, the active cycle during the day, the rainfall, elevation, all of these things have an impact. And so, you know, the example that I often use is imagine if you could harvest an orange and you got it from a particular place in Florida and if you harvest it during a four-hour window during a particular time of the season and a particular time of the day, you could get vitamin C levels that were 500% higher than if you harvested at another time. You'd, if you're eating that orange for vitamin C, you want to get it exactly at that time. And that's exactly what we do with all of the herbs is look at it from that perspective. That's really interesting. And it makes me think that there probably are harvesting times if you're talking about plant life where you could optimize different nutrient levels. Um, I guess they probably aren't doing that type of research yet, but... That's yeah. really fascinating. This, this depends on the plants. If they have flowers, if they don't, if they're mm -hmm. a tuber, if whatever they are, that's when sun plays a part. But season, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. 
So, I mean, there's going to be some people listening who are really interested in the science behind this, and then there's others that are going to go, let's fast forward and just what kind for me I'm trying to conceive, you know, what, what color, what brand should I be taking, what, you know, those kind of considerations. You even taught, um, taught me about the packaging of maca, which I think is really interesting. But as far as... Um, Let's go back to um, when the Peruvians were using it, and they wasn't it using it with livestock? Is that how they found out about um, litter sizes um, becoming bigger? Um, so the, use of it. So they knew about it for fertility um, with livestock because it would improve the fertility. But the primary, um, they did see improvements in litter. Uh, litter sizes and they also just saw healthier animals in general and then since then they've done um, animal studies and they've actually found that there is a particular type that's ideal for men for sperm production and sperm motility and then they found that there's a different type which is ideal for litter size and um, and uh, uterine weight and and other aspects which relate to fertility so yeah, so what's interesting is, is they, they learnt that about uh, fertility and saw that and how the Peruvians were using it and then people have sort of taken that and, and started to look at which were, they, which were the actual types and what do they actually do in relation to fertility. Because litter size is an easy one, but it was a little bit hard 2,000 years ago to count sperm production and sperm motility. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, tell us, like, what, what were the specific ones as far as that, that were showing for uterine weight? And so what, what we that? found for, in animal studies, they found that yellow maca is ideal for litter uh, size and for uterine weight. And for sperm production, sperm motility, we found black maca is the ideal one. Okay. This is something you taught me that um, you could assume that when you buy maca, wherever you're buying it, that it's all yellow, but that's not the case. You say that when it's processed, it all looks yellow, whether it's a red maca, yellow, or black, correct? Yeah, so it's a little bit like an apple, is that it's just the color of the outside skin that visually looks different. Inside, it's all, it all looks the same. So it's it's, that's one of the things, though, that we're very lucky is that we actually can see the colour on the outside so we can differentiate and align them. So, yeah, so all the maca that you generally find on the shelf is a combination of all the different types mixed together in the natural ratios that it grows, exactly how the Peruvians have used it for 2,000 years. If you find an individual colour in a store, then obviously that hopefully is that individual colour that's been made into a powder. Okay. Um, tell us about also, you know, if you go online, there's all these recipes of using maca powder in a smoothie. What, what could be the potential issue of having a powder? You know, you, there's a lot of powders obviously on the market, um, but your, your product is actually uh, in capsules, blister packed. What, what's the reason for that? So when you, when a product is raw, and Mac is a good example, it often is quite stable because it's in its natural form. Um, but the trouble with raw maca is, is that it's very hard for our body to digest. You know, raw maca has a water solubility of about 68%. 
But when you use a process which we use and many companies do called gelatinization, uh, you're actually able to change the structure and, inc and remove starches and change it so that the body can absorb it a lot better. And in, in the end, gelatinized maccas can range from anywhere between 84, 85% to 99% water soluble. So really increases that bioavailability. Uh, the head of our R&D has perfected it to such a degree that he has our product that where it's 99% water soluble. So it's highly absorbable and highly bioavailable. In addition to that, you know, one of the things in the United States is that um, when it comes to selling a food, <laughs> which a powder is, you don't have to worry about the stability of the active constituents. You just have to make sure that it's not going to have bad microbiology. However, when you're selling a nutraceutical in Europe, and if you go to Europe and you see you know, nutraceuticals or supplements, you'll find even cheap discounter lines are in oxygen barrier blister packs. And the reason behind that is, is the regulations that they have in Europe state that the product that you have needs to comply not just from the moment that you take it, but through its entire life cycle. And uh, it has to take into consideration that continual oxygen and moisture getting in there. Now, if you have a bottle of pills and you open it up, oxygen and moisture gets in every single day, breaking that down. If you have a powder and open it up, oxygen and moisture gets in there and destroys it. And we actually found that having gelatinized maca in a powder that within, when it's sitting on the shelf, being opened once, it can degenerate by over 60% with 50%, uh, sorry, within six months. And it's degeneration when you open it and are using it continually day after day is so dramatic. It's, it's profound. Obviously humidity and other factors play a part on where, depending on where you've opened it up. But basically we found that it was so volatile and the loss of active constituents was so profound that the only way that we could protect the product and ensure that when somebody's taking it, that every capsule that they get every day was to one, pack it in really high quality capsules, but two, have it in you know, oxygen and moisture barrier uh, blister packs. Uh, because that was the only way that you know, a woman two months down the track when she's taking her final capsule can be assured that it hasn't degenerated at all and it's fully protected. So. Let's talk about, um, I'm interested in the studies that your company has done on, I, I think um, it was about the HPA access uh, regulations. D does Jan want to input on, on this or, um, I mean, either, either one of you, but I, I was interested in those studies because, um, you know, honestly, when I was, when I was doing research on, on maca, I didn't want it to become like this promotional thing for one brand because I, I don't really have an affinity. I was just trying to educate. But um, when, it, when I was really having the discussion with you and reading articles that, um, that Jan has published, um, really, is this accurate that your company is the only one that has really done like um, independent research trials on maca? Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about this one. I mean, okay. the thing that's going to be awesome about Jan and one of the things that's important about us is that we, you know, Jan's involved in our company because preconception of fertility is a profoundly important topic, uh, we believe, from uh, the overall health of mankind is concerned. 
And the reason that Jan is involved in our company is because she recommends, Jan has written six books and she talks about everything. She talks about detoxification, she talks about microbiome, vitamin D, zinc is one of her favourites, magnesium, uh, exercise, sleep, stress, water, salt, you name it. Jan talks about everything. But she realises that the fundamental, one of the key fundamental keys for fertility to conceive and also hold a baby full term and not have a miscarriage is hormone imbalance. And so when she went through all of the data, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but you can talk later. <laughs> basically, was that, and this is what, if you look at the medical board that we have on our, uh, on, on our, for our company, we have experts in women's health who promote a huge range. Some of them even have their own lines of women's supplements. But the reason that they're on our medical board is that to date, we're the only natural product company, which is profound, macro or otherwise, that has a natural product that has clinical evidence demonstrating statistically significant effects on women, uh, women's hormones uh, at each stage of life, which is profound because, you know, we hear about hormone balance all of the time with, you know, every, every, under the sun, every product under the sun. And yet we're the only company that has evidence of women having these statistically significant effects when they're post-menopause postmenopausal, when they're perimenopausal, when they're young, so all stages of life. Now, don't get me wrong, women are actually able to impact hormones when they're younger. So there is products that impact women's hormones when they're younger, but the predominant impact on hormones for women when they're younger is triggering the adrenals. So it's giving them energy. And if they need to trigger the ovaries and they have low levels of estrogen and they have amenorrhea, it's triggering that. But as we discussed, the thing that's really interesting is that when you have conditions like PCOS, we want to be actually affecting the in hormone balance within the body, which is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. In that case, we want to be reducing testosterone, supporting estrogen, rebalancing that hormonal profile. And so that's where it comes, you know, that's where it's so profoundly important to balance and regulate hormone production within the body is when, you, is when you have those conditions which are, the body's completely out of balance. And it's not just about increasing something, it's about balancing and regulating everything which requires the whole HPA and biofeedback. So I, I hope that sort of answered your question. But, but, uh, but yeah, that's the, that's the thing that's, that's really interesting. We're not about, we're not about uh, I hate when you, people come on and it's just like feminescence, feminescence, feminescence. So, I have about 10 products listed here, which I'm quite happy to talk about and, and we'll probably put it interject at different times that come from other companies. Because when we empower our, our customers and we talk to women about preconception health, which is what Jan's all her books are about, we, it's not just about hormones, it's about everything. But as we sort of say, but this is the only one that, you, that has all of this clinical evidence and has the evidence to show these effects on hormones. So when we're talking about that aspect of hormones, look at this. When we're talking about probiotics, have a look at these companies because we reckon these are some of the best ones. When it comes to multivitamins and minerals, you look at these levels and these forms. So, and we don't do any of those. We don't do probiotics. We don't do multivitamins, all of those other areas. It's just our, our focus at, at our company has always been that the only way we're ever going to launch a product at our company 
is if we think that we can do it better than anybody else and, have, and do something completely unique and different or have clinical trial results that supersede everyone else on the market. You know, we make the joke, there would be nothing worse than us coming up with an echinacea and we go, oh, it's the third or fourth best echinacea in the world, um, but it's got really pretty packaging. Like, who wants to do that? Yeah, the only way you want to launch a product is if you can, from our perspective anyway, is if you can do it better than everybody else. Um, and so that's, that's why we have a small line, but the line that we have does things pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was definitely impressed by that. And let's talk about PCOS. Uh, okay, so you brought that up uh, because women who have taken maca with the diagnosis of PCOS has been problematic for them, correct? So uh, I don't, I mean, what is making, you said the balancing of um, certain hormones versus what happens, I guess, when someone takes, um, I guess, a maca of unknown origin and it has you know, negative effects on the PCOS, what's going on there? Jen, Jan's part of our medical team, so she talks to customers about this all the time. So I, I do, I do. <laughs> well, we go back and, and look, just may I say, without, you know, Jane's putting words in my mouth, when we met all those years ago, can you imagine how impressed I was? My whole career has been about looking for the best products to support my various recommendations. So when... James stepped onto the stage, I thought, wow, this, is, this needs some further exploring. But to go to the PCOS question, go back to the 13 different phenotypes. If you've got a blend of those in your generic maca powder that you bought off the shelf, you don't know exactly what phenotypes are in there. It's a, it's a bunch of different ones. And if you have got some that are for men, it's going to make PCOS worse which, of course, where our product is unique. It has only the phenotypes that are specific for supporting fertility and supporting the hormone balance prior to conception. I can't put it any more simply than that. Yeah. Okay. The only, I mean, I can actually tell you the phenotypes, like the black. And so, you know, we use high levels or not super high levels, but significant levels of the black phenotype in our men's product because it is ideal for sperm production and sperm motility. One of the other factors with black is we know it's really good for energy and stimulates the adrenals. But if you have PCOS and you just stimulate your adrenals, what's going to happen? It's potentially going to make it worse. But what we also found is that there's particular types that nourish the hypothalamus. So if you can get types that nourish the hypothalamus, pituitary and the adrenals to have biofeedback, you have the ability to balance and regulate production versus just stimulating the adrenals. And so that's why, you know, when it comes to energy, all of our products, our women's products uh, can have benefits, but not to the degree that a woman might get from normal maca because of the different phenotype blends. So when it comes to women's health, that's why we say use our feminescence products. But if you're interested in men or energy or whatever, then you'd, we've got a men's product or you can look at, at other options. So yeah, that, that phenotype aspect is just profoundly important um, because it can be the difference between you making things worse or getting things better. And um, yeah, it's, 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 really, it's, it's really interesting. We never expected it to, would make it worse 
until we started just getting huge amounts of, of customers who would say, oh, I'm like, oh, this is Macca. We don't want to use Macca because we've tried it and it's it actually made our symptoms worse. Or women who have used feminescence didn't realize how different it was, use normal Macca and their symptoms came back and they, and they came back to us and went back on feminescence and it corrected again. One of the most amazing stories I ever had was, a young girl who had PCOS and she had terrible symptoms. She hadn't had a period in 11 months. She started feminescence um, and within five weeks she had her first cycle and then had a consistent cycle for the next four months and she or, or six months. She bought our starter pack. And, um, and, and then she saw Macca much cheaper in a, in a health food store and she said, oh, I'm going to try this. And she bought it and, and all of a sudden, four weeks later, her cycle didn't come back. And then her symptoms started to come back, her start hair loss, acne, all these things. And then about seven weeks later, she went her, or sorry, eight weeks later, when her cycle didn't come back for the second time, she immediately called our medical team and she start, spoke to one of our medical team and our team said, well, you know, it's because the phenotypes are different. She says, they can't be that different. And we're like, no, they're that different. Like it's that, it's that profound that you use the right types, it can correct it, use the wrong type. So she went back on feminescence within a week, her cycle came back. Um, she continued to use feminescence. Uh, and the reason she continued just to use it was that she ended up using it from that point for, I think it was 16 months. And the reason was, was that she was getting married six months later and she, they wanted to have kids straight away. And that was the whole reason that she was starting to look at, at doing it. And lo and behold, 16 months later, she conceived and, um, and yeah, and had a, a perfectly healthy baby. So yeah, we get to hear all these stories because, you know, hormone balance is a, is a process. It's not always that long. But, you know, hadn't had a period in 11 months wanting to get completely over PCOS, get married, go through preconception health with all of the things that Jan recommends and then to conceive and hold a baby full term and have a perfectly healthy pregnancy and a perfectly healthy baby, you know, that's, that's a process. And it might take you, you know, 16 or in her case about 20 months to, to do that, to get her body fully, fully healthy. She was lucky she was younger, so she had time on her hands. So. Right, which, I mean, really in the big scope of things, to have a healthy baby, that's a, a small sacrifice and a blip of time um, in, in that case. I think one of, the thi one of the things Jan probably doesn't have on her bio, yeah. Jan had her children at 38 and 43. So right. she's speaking firsthand. There isn't, you know, this isn't, this isn't pontificating from a great height and not having firsthand experience. <laughs> Well, that's how I got involved in this whole enterprise. I had, um, and I don't think it was in my bio, I had a pharmacy background. I got out of pharmacy into nutritional medicine. And while I was doing that course, I heard of the work of a UK-based association, promotion for preconceptual, they call it, preconceptual care. So I did all of that stuff. I had not ever intended to have a family. And then I thought, wow, if I ever do, that is what I'll do. And, of course, this set me on an entirely different career path. I got out of pharmacy into natural medicine and preconception care. With the whole um, idea of having the healthiest baby possible, that is, that is my focus. It really is, of course, 
improving fertility along the way, but every aspect, as Jane said, carrying the baby to full term, making sure the baby's a decent weight, easy to settle, breastfeeding goes successfully. The whole reproductive spectrum is improved and enhanced. So that's, that's my brief. And if we can just for a moment take the sort of equation of preconception care apart. First of all, we've talked a lot about women's hormone balance today. I just want to emphasize that good preconception care must involve both partners equally. That's, that's my mantra. This is an equation that takes two people. It should be in place. Everything should be squeaky clean. So all of the, life, the lifestyle changes, all of the dietary modifications, the hormone balance and all of the other things I'm just going to mention need to be in place for a minimum period of four months before you even start trying. So we don't want you to start taking a product that we might suggest today and then start to, you know, think a month later it's going to work. That's not the, 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 the critical thing is during those four months prior to conception, eggs are very susceptible to damage. Sperm are forming in that period. So, all of your toxins need to be out of the equation and all of the positive uh, foundation things need to be in place. So if you want me to take that further, I can, as James has just sort of bullet point some of the things that need yes, Darlene, to, Jen, to be Jen, there. Jan has a great story about how all of this psychology or how this thought process sort of came, which was research that came out of World War Two from was it Denmark or Holland? I Holland, Holland, the Holland. great, uh, the Dutch hunger winter. It's commonly referred to. It was a period of starvation at the end of World War Two, when and the studies are now very, very long term. They've looked at some subsequent generations, showing that the starvation that occurred during the preconception period was much more damaging to the health of the baby than when a pregnant woman experienced starvation. I mean, that's a profound finding and that's obviously not new. The, the research around preconception health being important is, is as marker is, it's, it's thousands of years old, really. We think it's new. People say to me, why do we have to do all this stuff? We've never done it in the past. It's not true. We have. Traditional societies have, sped, have fed special diets to their young men and young women, and farmers and stock breeders know all about it. But just to go back, I've kind of got off the topic there, but yes, I had my babies at 38 and 42 doing all of the preconception stuff. By the time I'd had this easy conception at what was considered to be a late stage in life, a trouble-free pregnancy, a really short and straightforward labour, and then extremely healthy babies who are now young men and babies of their own, um, I thought this is, this is a story that I need to get out to the world. And along the way, of course, I've looked, as I said, for the products that best support the steps that couples need to take. And couple is the, is the sort of key to this here. And James, you might like to, because you're a bit closer to the uh, parenting stage of life than I am now. And you've had two very successful. Can we say that? Can we? Can we talk about your feminescence babies? Feminescence your, babies. Your feminescence and revolution babies, we should be saying. Yeah. yeah. Just, just real quick, um, the preconception care topic, 
I mean, you're singing to the choir. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, hundred hundred percent. I mean, that's what we are preaching and, and educating as well. And uh, and obviously, by doing the podcast on on maca, th- there's there's no way that I would ever say, oh yeah, just take this one, you know, one herb, one supplement, one anything, and that's you know, it's it's part of a whole preconception program, and we definitely. Uh, we preach that till we're sort of blue in the face because it's that important. And I really, really hope because yeah, it drives me crazy. There's, there's kind of that old, Oh, if it happens, it happens, or, you know, we're not doing anything to stop it. That kind of stuff kind of drives me crazy. Like, no, you're preparing to create life. It's not just a happy accident. You're, you're actually prepping the body to make your child. So I'm slowly, but surely the wheels are, turning and um the message is getting out but yeah absolutely i mean to to get to to let everybody know where the future of science is heading and and you i mean we're lucky in that we are connected to a lot of uh companies and researchers in pharma and all around the world you know when we heard about genetics everybody sort of thought okay great with genetics we can go in there and manipulate it and make sure people are going to be born healthy and all of that and we've found out that that's not really the answer. The thing is, is that epigenetics is how those genes are expressed and how those genes are impacted by our environment are the key. And we've actually found that you can have two parents who have a particular recessive gene that if they do preconception health and get perfectly healthy, they can conceive and have a child where that gene isn't expressed. Now that is something that we've been like, wait a sec, wait, we're not, we're not going in there and manipulating it with science. If we have two parents with a recessive gene that we would almost certainly expect that child to have, by us doing preconception health, we can stop that gene from being expressed. Like that's profound. Like that's, that's a huge, huge factor. And so, and so that, you know, that preconception stage is just so profound and as Jan said it's even the research showing that 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 is more impactful to the health of the child for the rest of their life than the health of the like if than the health of the mother when she's pregnant like the health of the mother before conception is more important than the health of the mother when she's pregnant which is completely counterintuitive to everything that we've sort of thought about that's profound um yeah thanks for bringing and you, that and up. we hear about the emotional psychology you know when you're looking at for example the holocaust in particular races where that imprint into the genes is there and that trauma is passed through there isn't just the genetic expression there's also vitamin and mineral deficiencies or toxins which pass through generations as well so this is this preconception concept of us emotionally physically like every every aspect getting it right before we decide to have a child to, so that they aren't potentially bearing the burden of us emotionally or physically or in all of these respects. Mm-hmm. And, and Jan, you're talking four months, um, you know, four months is a, a minimum time period. You know, so it's ner- another interview and they were saying, you know, two years. And it's like, some, for some people that's like, Oh my gosh, I'm 38 or whatever. I can't commit two years, but, um, Ideally, if you could give that time, I mean, you're really not going to run out of eggs in, in that period. 
I mean, four months, that's, a, that's an amazing amount of time and, and that, that's it's, wonderful. But. It's, it's the minimum. And as James explained, it can, be, it can be longer than that. And it depends on what issues the, either the prospective dad or mum might be dealing with. But I would say to anybody who's listening, if you're thinking, and this is, this is what I try to encourage people, if you've got it in your head that somewhere down the track you are going to have a family, then it's never too soon to get started. And there are really simple, I mean, when you say I'm preaching to the choir, let me tell you, the choir wasn't always there, Charlene. When I started this, and we're talking more than 35 years ago, when I started on this personal campaign, I used to see eyes glaze over, literally. I said, why do we need to do all of this? I mean, it has changed, and I'm thrilled that it's now so much more accepted that this is the critical stage to ensure a lifetime of better health, not just getting pregnant, not just having a healthy baby. This is a lifetime legacy you're giving your kids. What better can you do? Um, now I've completely, again, lost the thread of where I was going with that. Just go back to what you said to me. Sorry, I... I well, we were talking about the preconception care period of the four months and some people kind of squawking. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so I say to people, the longer time the preparation, you can give it the better. Mm. So you can, if you're thinking, right, not this year, maybe the year after, you can start doing things right now that are going to optimise your chances of conceiving when you want to. Things like hormone balance, healthy gut, Plenty of vitamin D, all of your nutritional things. Never too soon to get started. Yes, sir. I was just going to say detoxification is a big one because that can take time. So knowing what where you're at with detoxification, because the four months you want to be perfectly detoxified after those for that by the time you hit four months, because when you hit four months, you're wanting to be up upping the ante with your vitamins and minerals and omega threes and all of those things to get you know, perfectly healthy, but you want to be detoxed beforehand. So that's one of the areas that's really important. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Okay, so here's something. Um, here's a statement, and I, I think you've covered it, but just explain when, when people read this. Most maca found at stores is actually more suitable for men. Is that a true statement? Yes. So, but, and because, and, and, but that's a general statement. I would more say that most maca that you find in stores is good for adrenals and energy. Got it. Okay. So what you want to be doing is, however, obviously looking at the particular types and, you know, we sort of drifted off a little bit, but I spoke about yellow maca being ideal for, um, for obviously uh, litter size and, and, uh, and uterine weight and things like that. But when it comes to women, there's also a phenotype which is ideal for menstrual health, and then there's an and then there's a combination that we've had found which is ideal for hormone balance. So when you're looking at at conceiving as a woman, obviously you want to have a, a healthy uterus and and impact that aspect. But we don't have big litters usually. We have one or two, or if we're lucky, three. Um, but what we do want to improve is our menstrual health making sure that that's optimal and obviously making sure our hormones are in balance. And that's why looking at all of the phenotypes and coming up with a combination was so important for us. Because when you're looking at health for women at different stages of life, 
it isn't just about one thing. It's about balancing hormones and when it comes to fertility, balancing hormones, menstrual health and fertility. When it comes to women who are postmenopause, it's often about heart health as well as hormone balance and bone health as, and, when, and perimenopause for menopausal symptoms. So finding what's the right thing. And then with men, you know, the combination that you'll get in stores is, is beneficial and help with the adrenals, but wait, if there's particular types which can be even more beneficial, why wouldn't we increase the ratios of those? And then the other aspect is obviously the bioavailability and the body's ability to absorb it and concentration. That's the other factor. And you know, that's one of the things when it comes to herbs, we hear a lot about, hey, you can use this herb, it's been used traditionally in this country for thousands of years. And the thing relating to that is that, yes, if you take that particular herb every day of your life for five or 10 years of your life, you're probably gonna have the benefits of it. But if you are looking to have that benefit from that particular herb in a week or two weeks or three weeks or three months, you need to have an amount that's gonna actually have a, a therapeutic impact on your body. And that's again, that's the thing with herbs is it's getting the right type, making sure it's bioavailable, stable, but then getting the efficacy that we need to have the physiological effects that we want to have to improve our health. How, um, how does one find out more about Feminist's line of, of uh, maca products? They can go to feminescence.com. Okay. And, that, and that's going <laughs> to be in the podcast which, notes. But... Yeah, which is hard to spell, but, uh, yeah. but you, can, you no doubt will have the link for that. But yeah, if you just go to feminescence.com, it has the first thing that you'll see is you'll see a picture of Jan. You'll have, see a picture of some of our other, other people use Feminescence. And you can, people can just pick, oh, I'm interested in menstrual health. I'm interested in fertility. We have a section just for that. I'm interested in perimenopause, postmenopause. Uh, and then we obviously have our men's product as well, but that's at, uh, on our company's homepage. But yeah, if they just go to Feminescence, it has all of that info. Um, on there, you'll also find, you know, Jan has, in the fertility side, Jan, Jan has more information there as well, talking about, again, not just hormone balance, but the things that she looks at. Uh, and the big thing as well is if anybody has any questions, uh, Jan, as well as all of our other medical team, uh, work with us all the time, uh, on, you know, our own staff. So if people have questions, they can actually email our medical team. And if they've got a question about fertility, it usually gets directed to Jan or one of our other team who does a lot of work in fertility. So they can actually ask her any question that they have and you're going to get Jan responding to you, not someone within from, 24 hours. Yeah, not someone. Well, it depends on the weekend, Jan. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Do you know I'm I'm on duty every day? <laughs> well, I was really impressed by that. I mean, I was yeah that that type of support because um, a lot of questions and concerns come up and things like that. Now. Um, so once I started talking about your particular product and the research studies and things like that, of course, people were interested. And then one woman was quite upset because she lives in Canada, in, in the Toronto area, and she was not able to get it. Um, is so, there like... What, so is there yeah, we're, we're going through the regulatory approval into Canada at the moment. Okay. Um, and we will have it in Canada next year sometime. But in the meantime, people can just email our customer service oh. and, and they can actually organise 
um, uh, shipping it directly to them. And we are in the next, I've been told, I hope, in the next sort of 21 days, our website is going to be update so, updated so people in Canada and Australia can actually order direct online from our website. Oh, nice. Okay. This person will be, I was like, I, she was like, I'm really frustrated. I go, gosh, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to help you. Okay. That's wonderful. Um, she'll be happy to hear that. It's obviously on in stores as well, Whole Foods and Sprouts and all of those stores as well, those health food stores. So in Canada, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not in Canada yet. Yeah, Canada yeah. will be next year. Right, right, right. Yes. I saw that in um, the local stores. That's uh, great. Um, you know, I mean, I'd like to invite you to a part two, and then we could talk about some of the other supplements that you, you know, could recommend. I definitely wanted to keep it on this. I knew, I mean, you're so knowledgeable, and you two, uh, Jan, I mean, both of you just are, have such a breadth of knowledge on, on this subject, and, and I know on so many, so much more pertaining to preconception health, so I'd love to have you back on at some point. Well, I'm sure I'd love to come back. Absolutely. The, the only point that I was keen to just sort of talk about is yeah. that, Birth control and the pill is a huge topic at the moment um, and there's a lot and a lot of talk about it. What's really interesting in the United States is 20% of women under the age of 36 are on oral birth control for off prescription. So not for contraception, but for PCOS, amenorrhea, endometriosis, fibroids, whatever it is. And the thing about birth control is birth control introduces hormones into a woman's body and manipulates and controls her hormones and masks symptoms. It doesn't fix it. Women come off birth control 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, and all of a sudden these symptoms come back. That's what's so special about balancing and regulating and correcting your hormones with us with feminescence, because instead of manipulating and masking, it's actually going in to recalibrate and balance and regulate the body to correct those those conditions. And, uh, and the only thing I would say is, you know, that, that when you take birth control, it happens really quickly because you're introducing hormones and it's manipulating the system. Feminescence takes time. It might take you one cycle, two cycles, three cycles, four cycles. We actually, we actually have about a 95% success rate for women who use it between two to four cycles because it takes a bit of time, but when the body can get into balance, you know, you not only are able to conceive, but you're, there's so many other aspects of your health that are profoundly impacted because hormone balance is, is one of those key systems in our body which are profoundly important. We have our microbiome, which affects our immune system and so many factors. We have our digestion and our detoxification system. And then we have the HPA axis, which impacts hormones, neurotransmitters, metabolism, like those three systems are just the foundations of health. And so I would just sort of say to people who are looking at using hormones to like, you know, hormones like birth control or things like that to correct these conditions, just to be aware that they don't correct them. And it doesn't mean that they don't have a place. It doesn't mean for someone who has a very serious condition. I always talk to people about what's your health timeline. You know, if you, if you need a dialysis or a, a, a liver or a kidney transplant, I, you know, Milk thistle ain't going to cut it, but, but so so same thing. You know, if you're in a very serious situation, you know, hormones are there's a, a very important place for those. But when we're looking at trying to address those things, and as Jan sort of said, looking at that long-term health aspect, getting the body into optimal hormonal balance through HPA is key. So 
Um, sorry if you hear my dog in the background. I don't know what's going on, but um, hopefully that's a faint sound. He wants um, Macca. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks for bringing up the birth control um, topic because yeah, a lot of women are frustrated because it is used off label and it's kind of, for me, it's personally a little bit horrifying that some women are on it for, I mean, it was never meant to be a long term solution for anything. And yeah, like you're, like you said, 15, 20 years, sometimes you're like, good God, but, um, and, and then they're quite frustrated. Oh, now I'm trying to start a family and I've been on birth control for so long. And so um, thanks for bringing that up. Is. I was just going to say prior use of uh, hormonal birth control is one of the big issues of, that precedes possible infertility. And as you say, it is often a 20 year, sometimes more if women are leaving their babies until they're, you know, 40, they might've been on it since they were 16, 25 years. Anyway, I think James has explained why that is something that has to go. And there are the nutritional deficits that then need to be corrected. The microbiome health needs to be restored. So yes, it's definitely part two coming up, Charlene, I think. Yeah, birth control, one of Jan's big things is it reverses zinc copper ratios, uh, which has a profound, you know, adverse effect on fertility. It, it throws our hormones out of balance. It just, it just, it is a whole cascade of things that we, that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's the next, you know, hormone replacement therapy, you know, where, where for sure there's benefits for it, but what, but what do we need to be looking at? What do we need to be careful of if we do do this? And how long can we take it? And, 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 what, and you know, there's just so many factors that, that fortunately we're starting to have those conversations now. So, Yeah, there has to be a solution. I remember when I was in acupuncture school, um, one of our teachers was a gynecologist from China, and she really lectured us about the dangers of the birth control pill. So I think every woman um, in my class got off it and two did get pregnant out of a small class. So I know there has to be, um, it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a big topic. Um, but that would be great to bring up during our part two is um, a little bit we more birth control and um, just some of the uh, kind of, what's the right word? Um, just the results of using it long-term, like you're talking about copper, imbalance and things Copper like and that. zinc, yeah, massive. And, yeah. and what are the alternatives? And that's one of the things Jan talks a lot about is that, you know, part of being an expert in preconception health is being able to teach people how not to conceive, get ready, and then when they're ready to conceive. And yeah. so uh, I, I had to pay a lot of attention to that, those lessons. Yeah, he's been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be right. healthy. Well, thank you so much. Um, I will contact you in the next couple of weeks when this gets published. And um, I, I really enjoyed this interview and, and learned so much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charlene, for having me on your show. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah no, thank you very much. And, uh, and I'm very glad that you, uh, that you did your due diligence and were excited about our um, about learning more about Macca because, you know, as we had that first conversation, you know, it's, I really do understand how people don't want these things to be, you know, an, an, adv an advert and they don't want to just be talking about something, but there's, you know, sometimes you come across topics where there's, 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 you know, there's only certain people who have a huge amount of information on those things at that time in the future. It will, 
Um, and that's what's been really interesting for us is that even though this herb's been around for 2,000 years, a lot of this research about phenotypes and everything has only happened in the last 10 years. You know, and something I, I sort of didn't talk about but has come to the fore is that there was a lot of debate about did phenotypes actually have an impact and were they different? And there was a lot of herbalists and a lot of people who said that we were, that this was all marketing and that the Peruvians use it for 2,000 years and they're all the same. And so we actually went away and we DNA profiled, we analytically profiled all of the different phenotypes and showed that the DNA was different, the analytical profile was different, all of the research that was coming out on different phenotypes showing that one would work for something and none of the others would work. We put all of that together and we were really fortunate that uh, the president of the American Botanical Council, Mark Blumenthal, who I've known for 20 years, uh, he saw this research and he said, you know, James, this is sort of laid down the gauntlet and this is something that's really interesting and is a game changer. However, we need to do this research ourselves as a, you know, a third party, even though our research had been done at uh, universities, they were universities that we were connected with. He wanted to do that research himself independently and he was working with the USDA, the US Department of Agriculture. They went away and they got used our retention samples, they got samples from other companies and they mirrored the research that we had done and they found exactly like we did that the pheno, the different colours, uh, different phenotypes have different DNA and different analytical profiles and are different. So it's, um, it, you know, the, and that's only, that publication is only coming out this year. So this is, this isn't, you know, something that's been around for, for a long time and it's why people are only starting to really hear about this now is because it's now coming to the forefront of the conversation about this herb. Well, thank you so much. It's just been a really um, interesting conversation. I mean, I feel like I'm a bit of a maca expert <laughs> now. I really, <laughs> not compared to you, but I mean, I, I leaps and bounds from where I was just a few weeks ago from having that conversation with you on this one. And, and, and thank you, uh, Jan, as well. Okay. Um, thank you. Cool. Thank you very much. We'll talk again soon. Okay, Charlene, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Charlene. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Hour. For being one of our loyal listeners, we would like to give you free access to a special report called Restore Your Fertility Naturally. Inside, you'll learn about an eight-step, all-natural process that's helped hundreds of couples conceive. This is one of our most popular reports, and you can get free access by going to fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Again, that's fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Go there now, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Fertility Hour.